That's spot on. Good, 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 good match show. Welcome to Good Match Show. The show about matches both good and bad, but mostly good. As we venture through all 131 matches rated 5 stars or more by Uncle Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Here we break down, analyze, and discuss all the happenings in the matches, as well as the weekly ongoings in the modern wrestling world, which as you know is quite strange. So without further ado, let's get weird. I'm Agnello DeAngelis. This is Isai Saldana. Hello. First off, we're just going to blow our lid with the Sonic Sonic Brownie Bite Milkshake Moment of the Week from IWA Deep Mid-South, if you wanted to just shout it out. Uh, no. And that's the moment of the week right there. That promotion, I've watched a couple times because they had like $5 wrestling left and went to $10 wrestling there. And it was hot garbage. <laughs> I'm going to turn my AC. Oh, it's only going to get cold. I didn't want it to make noise on the recording, so. Uh, it's it's, it's not like we're that professional. Yeah, someone's like, oh, why is there this ghost whisper on this podcast? I'm like, it's actually just AC. <laughs> I'm trying to be cold, motherfucker. <laughs> um, how have you been? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm doing pretty well, which is weird to say right now, I feel like. Hey, that's, no, that's fine. Yeah. Is your shirt say Cuervo? Yeah, Cuervo no Chaser. So this guy one night in my house, I actually have no idea if it was a guy, um... This person went out at my house, left like a box of 25 t-shirts that all said Cuervo No Chaser. And no one can see it, but it's like the shittiest shirt. It's literally just like a t-shirt, gray, like header bone or whatever. And it just says Cuervo No Chaser in the most basic font on it. And that's it. But the shirts yeah. are so fucking soft and you can't feel that. But it's like, it's like butter. So I just would like show each person that came over to my house how soft these shirts were. And they'd be like, can I have one? I'd be like, sure. I have no idea whose fucking shirts these are. You should have sold them. <laughs> I should have. I don't think I could sell this to someone and feel good about it. You could. Five bucks. Five, I guess, yeah, but then I'm like, why am I doing it? Do I really need the $5? I don't know. You can get, add on an extra item of Domino's. That's a foot long, you know? Yeah. You can, just yeah, get, you can like, get that. You can get the fucking molten lava cake and the cheese bread now. Wow. I could have got 25 foot longs. And instead, yeah. I got none. What a five dollar foot longs for you. Well, this is not a good start to the show. I'm just you really you could have gotten the. Uh, I came with a little bit of cream, steam. The ice cream scoop full of tuna. Ice cream scoop full of tuna. That's actually That's the name is. of the sandwich. Is can I get the ice cream cup? Ice cream scoop with tuna. Like yeah, he's like fuck yeah. sure I guess. My favorite um, subway was the one. In the Rockefeller Center subway station in New York City. It's right next to like a cookie shop. And I would always, after work, I'd be like trying not to drink. And I'd just be like, you know what? Just get yourself a meatball sub and some cookies. And you definitely won't go out. I still did. Gosh <laughs> darn it. <laughs> I feel like that would stop me from going out. It's just like your stomach's just going to be like dead. Right? If I ate a meatball sub right now from Subway... I don't even know what would happen. Probably nothing. You'd be fine. Should we see? Should I eat it? Yeah. And we just keep the podcast going until something happens. The seven hour yeah. podcast. Uh, good match show. Slammiversary. Extreme rules. Nello eats a meatball sub. 
Hell yeah. There we go. Um, yeah, it's been a really wild time in the world and in wrestling. Wrestling's usually my outlet, and then the wrestling world got set on fire as well. Justifiably so. But yeah. Jeez. So we, we took a little break ski. Yeah, we took a little break ski from the main ski. Just uh Yeah, but things didn't feel right. That, <laughs> and now we're back ski. Now we're back ski. We should make up our own language like it's called like hoot. So instead of like pig Latin though, it's just you had a ski to the end of everything. Yeah. That's what it would be. Hoot. Um just to catch up on everything, I made a little collection of notes from every promotion. Would you like to hear about oh, them? And we can discuss let's do it. We can just deep dive in whatever it is that you're knowledgeable about, whatever it is that you've seen, and we can just go from there. Um, first off, yeah. in all Japan pro wrestling, I believe the last time we really talked about it was that five star six man match that I absolutely adored. Obviously, I gave it five stars. Um, since then, we have had the induction, or I should say the invasion, of Shitaro Ashino from the recently closed Wrestle One. And he has been wrestling with a couple of his mates from Wrestle One. He beat Yuma Eragi for the number one contendership against Suwama. And at the end of June, Suwama defeated Shitaro Ashino in a pretty goddamn great match to retain the Triple Crown Championship. In Pro Wrestling Noah, Go Shiyazaki defended his GHC Heavyweight Championship against Akatoshi Saito. This match was fine, I thought. It was a little slow going. A lot of people have said that it's like the very much the spirit of Noah, but if that's the case, then Noah's got a fart of a spirit. Um, zero one, Chris Weiss won the heavyweight title against Koei Saito, who with a few others actually left zero one, including their investors, so they're Hopefully going to stay around, but we'll see. It'd be a shame if Shinya Hashimoto's promotion closed. Um, Chris Weiss most recently defended against Hartley Jackson. If you've never seen these guys, they both look like Nathan Jones. And um, they're just random like gaijins in Zero One that I've never heard of in the States. And I always forget, like, All Japan has some really random gaijins too. Like, there was one called, a team called The End, and the guys' names are like Obsidian and Tyrus or something. They're just like seven foot behemoths. None of them can really wrestle. They're just big muscular dudes. Um, in 2AW, and I actually just realized this week because it's called Action Advanced Pro Wrestling. And I was like, why is there a two? I was like, oh, two A's. Instead of being AAW, they're just 2AW. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, interesting. Um, Ayata Yoshida finally beat Yuji Okabayashi and ended his four month reign as the 2AW Openweight Champion. And Tomato, Kaji Tomato and Chango finally lost their 2AW Tag Team Championships to Tempest, which is the team of Ayumu Honda and Taishi Takazawa. We'll get a little bit into 2AW later when we go through our top five Sonic Brownie Bite um, favorite empty arena moments thus far. In DDT, Tetsuya Endo beat Masato Tanako for the KOD Openweight Championship and Chris Brooks won the Universal Championship at the most recent Wrestle Peter Pan, their biggest event of the year. BJW, they've just been doing their Crisis Survivor shows that was like done inside of almost what looked like, you know when you go to like old Deathcore or Punk shows and it's just a storage unit? Yeah. It was just like that, what the shows felt like. Like I don't oh, know yeah. if they're supposed to be here. They now have a junior heavyweight tournament going on. 
Stardom resumed shows after the tragic passing of Hannah Kimura. Um, they now have the Wonder of Stardom title tournament going on since Arisha Hoshiki vacated the title. And so far, Julia and Tam Nakano have advanced in the tournament. In Freedoms, Toru Sugiura defended his King of Freedoms championship on June 25th successfully against Takumi Sukamoto. This was a fucking awesome match. If you haven't seen it yet and you like death matches, certainly go out of your way to see this one. I believe they take what is a screwdriver or like a uh, one of those things that's like for wood work where you like stab it on the end like a piece of corn on the cob or something and they shove yeah. that into each other's heads. Um, then we have Beyond Wrestling is returning with two weeks notice on July 26th. The same day as the next GCW shows which also returned with World on GCW 2 and Backyard Wrestling 2. Um, the Paco Loco match was incredible. Um, we now have our own no holds barred promotion from uh, ICW volumes two and three of the deathmatch drive-in happened. I would like to shout out Akira. He's a newcomer in the deathmatch scene, part of the rejects, quote unquote, with uh, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley, and he is just fucking psychotic. He has done stuff like I think he actually got stabbed in the stomach at the last show, and he was just like walking around, opening the wound and flashing it. And he was like ah, sticking his tongue at the camera. And I was like, man, he's going to have long-lasting damage, just like Jimmy Lloyd. And I got sad for a second, and they did some more light tube spots. I felt pretty good. Um, <laughs> that kicked me out of it. <laughs> and then finally, since I thought we could sort of dive into them, um, AEW did Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. And uh, so did you want to comment on anything from those? Um, yeah, it was a show. <laughs> I didn't like the ending of Moxley Cage. I don't like the whole like throw in the towel thing, um, especially just because it. I think you're already putting a rift between Taz and Cage, which is dumb. Um, I think that. I think they just fucked it up. Like I totally agree with, um, you know, Dave and Brian post pretty much everyone who said it that they should have waited to give Cage that FTW title until after this match. So yeah. you could have had this one on a fluke. And then, because I think that they're brilliant enough to still do finishes that aren't definitive, but also aren't fuck finishes. So keeping yeah. them both protected. And then he gives them the FTW title, and then you have him defend that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to that title from now on. Like, yeah, do you it think was it, it was? It was fun. Do you think that title will eventually switch hands within the promotion, or it'll just sort of fade away? I think it's just going to fade away. Yeah. Um, like, I think that, like, just from hearing Tony Khan, I think he is just, like, a huge nerd. And, like, he, he himself is like, gotta get that FCW title. I love DCW. Yeah. And so just kind of him being a little bit of a little Mark-ski. <laughs> well, good for him. I like, when, when Taz pulled it out, I was like, he's definitely fulfilling some, like, fantasy right now. Yeah. Exactly. Why not? If you had your own wrestling promotion, I'd bring back so many titles. I'd steal titles. Oh. I'd have a WWE championship in my promotion. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. No, mine, mine would be like a fucking weird-ass throwback promotion. Like, I get it. Like, fucking Bret Hart would just be the champion for no reason. It really doesn't wrestle. It'd just be like the Simpsons Bret Hart, some dude painted yellow. That'd be wild. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can exactly. smoke weed out of the championship belt. That'd be really fun. 
That'd be really funny. Um, I really enjoyed the eight-man tag. I thought that was fantastic and probably the best match from each night. Um, I liked yeah. Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. I totally think that they should have called an audible and had Cassidy win it. It looks like the feud's going to continue, but because it's just Even like then you kind of you kind of put a little bit of ice on it. Yeah, I really wish Cassidy would have won, and I don't know. I feel like they're they're just still holding out hope for like these big pops with crowds, and I I don't think we're going to get crowds until next year at the earliest. Yeah, and the, like the big thing too that I'm feeling with AEW is that they at the end of the day, like these young guys keep losing. Yeah. And it's like, they can say, well, Darby's going to get his soon. Just wait, we're building it and building it. But it's like, if you kind of keep beating them or not letting them go over, nobody's going to think they're going to go over. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I feel like the only young guy that's really winning is MJF, but they never do anything with his wins. No, he just kind of keeps spinning his tires. Yep. And, um, I don't know, I mean, I personally hope that MJF takes the TNT title off Cody and all out. I feel like that's the natural progression of things. Yeah. And then, um, we'll see what happens after that, but what else? Um, Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho was fun. I really enjoyed the MJF, Wardlow, and Jurassic Express match. Um, yeah. Carter Sheeta and Penelope Ford was fun. It was honestly, I have been thoroughly enjoying AEW lately. And, yeah. and then in NXT, we had Io Shirai as champion following the In Your House takeover. Um, she's been a phenomenal champ, and it's been so nice oh, yeah. having... I I mean, if you look at Shayna, who never defended the belt on television, or really had matches on television, yeah. um, and then right after that, you had Rhea, who immediately got involved with Charlotte, and then her feuds were kind of meaningless as a result. And then Charlotte, who whose reign was purely shit, I would say. Actually, it wasn't shit, but it just, the payoff never happened, really. Yeah, it's kind of nothing happening. Yeah, and then Io, I feel like, has been the best champion in fucking years, honestly. It just feels a little fresh now. Yeah, it's really wonderful. I'm very happy. And then Keith Lee is also the double champ. Um, I haven't yeah. been watching any WWE television. I'm protesting it. You know, because I'm so, such a good person, and um, just pat myself on the back for that one. And uh, but I did watch Tim Thatcher versus Tony Lorcan. He actually <laughs> um, he made a Twitter account just so every few days he can tweet out, "I cancel my network subscription." Yeah, it's actually it's at did I cancel my net network subscription? And then every day I just tweet yes. And then a few days later he says, "Yes, I did it again. I got it for a minute, but then I, I dropped it again." It's a fucking vicious cycle. When I canceled my subscription, I said, even the reasoning, I was like, y'all support Trump. Fuck y'all. And then I felt so cool. I was like, no one's going to fucking read that. (laughs) The intern's like reading it, like taking the note, like, yeah, I mean, duh. (laughs) Just. (laughs) Whatever. It's real cool. Um, I'm happy for Keith Lee. They reply back to you. Real cool, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Um. I feel like their tag team scene is really cooled off, which is unfortunate because it used to be so awesome. Yeah, yeah it used to be really hot, and I think they're trying to kind of get it back, but it's it's just going to take a bit. Yeah. So, I, I mean, because I felt like the perfect time to revive it was the Dusty Classic, and then the Dusty Classic, they got one team out of it, lost the team, broke it up, 
That was yeah, that. Kind of had to break it up, but yeah. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, yeah, and then like they were bringing over Gallus and stuff like that. Uh, Gallus, uh, Grizzled Young Vets, and those teams. Yeah, fuck Gallus. Was was there? I know there was. Um, there was in regards to speaking out. There was stories about Joe Coffee and Wolfgang. But was there anything about Mark Coffee? Do you know? I don't think anything with Mark. He's probably a poor fucking guy. Yeah, it's like they're gonna kind of think. They're gonna put him with the Forgotten Sons. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, you think of the other Forgotten Sons that are Jackson Riker. Yeah. And, like when he put his foot in his mouth, and then. I think Lacey's they, gonna manage him. They like it fucking immediately tweeted like, "We don't support what he says." Fuck that. Yeah. No. And so now it's gonna be funny is that the Forgotten Sons will be one Marine and one Australian dude. <laughs> just it's just these two dudes. Yeah, it's just dudes. like guys now. It doesn't really make sense, the whole gimmick. Maybe um, they'll repackage them. Riddick Moss returned this week on main event. On main event. Yeah, this is the main event, main event hour. Imagine he was like, I don't want to fly out. I'm not comfortable working this pandemic. And then they're like, Riddick, come on. We've got something big for you. And then he flew back and they were like, we've got you. Who did he fight on main event? Was it Umberto Carrillo? Probably. Let me see here. Fucking a big magic Umberto. Wow, the Brian and Vinny show is already up. Incredible. Um, what? MLW Underground results? Yeah, they're doing their old shows. Oh, I was so fucking confused. It was like results of Satoshi Kojima versus Jerry Lynn. Yeah. Yeah, Umberto Carrillo versus Riddick Moss. Fantastic. And Shayna Baszler defeated Jesse Kamea, who I have no clue who that is. She is a NXT wrestler. She was in one of the Mayhem classics. Huh. And for a minute, like her name was like Je- just like Jesse. And she was like a, a, a Jesse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the Spirit Squad. And like she was like a, a nerd character. And more like big ass fucking Chuck Taylors, but also she's like a former college like volleyball player. It's like nobody believed she was like this nerd. <laughs> so, n- so now she's just Jesse Kamey and just like tall. Nice. Who um I I heard too yeah. that Vanessa Bourne has been on the main roster since April. I saw Did that. you see that? Yeah. And they just haven't used her once. I'm like, what the fuck is the point of a call up? Well, I think it's because Heyman was going to do it, and then they just, like, never got around to it, and then he was fired. Ah, you're fired. That's my impression of uh, Vince Kennedy McMahon Jr. Oh, and then uh, 205 Live apparently is just the fucking Wild West. I watched it this week. Just I was waiting for uh, Countdown to Fucktown and Mansoor versus Tahuti Miles. I know. I saw that Tahuti Miles had become a regular on there, so he's no longer just enhancement talent, so good for him. Yeah, and then Everrise is apparently a thing there, too. Like, I would, just enhancement talent. I would so much rather prefer Everrise than the fucking Singh Brothers. Do you remember that back when it was, that was the formula of 205 would be a Singh Brothers tag match, then a squash, and then the main event, and that was the rinse and repeat every single week. The main yeah. events were always good, but man, those Singh Brother matches... They're like, we're inspired by the Hardy brothers. We're inspired by like all these great teams. And I'm like, well, they didn't fucking rub off on you. Yeah, they fucking suck. <laughs> It'd be like, yeah, the Singh brothers versus like two jobbers. 
and then it'd be like TJP like squashing somebody. Yeah. And then like Ali versus like Murphy in a classic. Yep, exactly. Um, I heard Isaiah Swift Scott versus Tony Nice on Two of Five Live recently was pretty good, but I just haven't I haven't watched Two of Five in months, honestly. Um, yeah, every now and then I'll pick something out and be like, oh, it looks fun, but I hadn't watched it in a few weeks or like a month or so. And like just seeing like all these teams, it's like, like what the fuck? This is where everybody is. Yeah. But that's cool. Like, at least they're getting some experience and actually got to work some longer matches. Yeah, I hope that, um, I mean, I feel like 205 could easily just become the new Evolve or something like that. And that's what I would rather see because I'd rather have a shove where things happen because I feel like there's just not much storyline anymore because the cruiserweight titles on NXT and that's awesome. But yeah. You know. Anything else about NXT AEW that you wanted to get into? Um, the NXT women's stuff has been really cool. Also, I mean, they're building carrying cross to be like the biggest star. Um, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I just realized I didn't cl- include anything about new Japan. So let's talk about new Japan in a second as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see, what happens with Keith Lee's reign if he will defend both titles together or just because that I feel like that's the two most common trends in any promotion right now is double champion and then someone who is the champion but isn't really like moose with the TNA then there was the interim cruiserweight then there was the FTW championship so it's pretty um and then what else the MVP with the US championship so Pretty common. Also, I think it's funny that the U.S. independent wrestling scene seems to solely exist now in Indianapolis, Atlantic City, especially, and then random backyards in Florida. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, funny. Indi- Indiana's really just becoming the circle life there. But <laughs> also, what is um, what I think they should do with Keith Lee for an easy way to get heat on a feud is like he defends the North American title and. Whoever's challenging for the heavyweight title comes and fucks him on that. So then Keith Lee loses that and then gives him a little bit more reasoning to get, you know, amped up for the main title match, you know? Yeah. That'd be sweet. I'm just, um, I always, my mind always goes to Rollins defending against Cena, U.S. Championship, and then defending successfully against Sting afterwards. Yeah. That was fun. Stuff like that can also happen. Um, John Stewart. John Stewart can be there too. No, not John Stewart. That guy plays he plays like a rat, that John Stewart. <laughs> C Nation. That rat John Stewart. Son of a bitch. God damn it. Um sorry, just don't bring up JS around me. <laughs> yeah, don't be JS in him. Um New Japan Pro Wrestling. God damn a lot has happened. Everything is evil. Everything is evil. Naito fans, sorry. Evil had won the New Japan Cup, and then he had won both the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. So Evil is only the second person since 2011 that's not Tanahashi, Okada, Omega, or Naito to win the belt. The only other two are what? Jay White and Evil. So that is just wild facts there. That yeah. or oh, and AJ Styles and AJ Styles, those facts always astound me. You know, I just I wanted to say I'm mad at AJ Styles. I'm pissed at AJ Styles. Why are you mad at Uncle Allen? I loved that Dave Meltzer shoot on AJ Styles. Did you hear that? 
the today on the Wrestling Observer Radio, he was like, uh, "What the fuck did he say?" He was like, "Oh, I'm pissed at AJ Styles." He said that I lied about Paul Heyman, and then on the Countdown to Fucktown podcast, he said the truth, and then he was like, "So yeah, AJ Styles, pff, that's all you need to know about that guy." He was just like, "It was hella funny." No longer a friend of the show. Um, yeah. Anyway, I feel like we I reference other podcasts too much on this podcast. It's just like too niche, perhaps. That's um, what wrestling. I mean, have you ever been on wrestling YouTube? Like ninety percent of it is British people being like Dave Meltzer reported. <laughs> just good cultaholic impression. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so let's get into TNA or Impact Wrestling. Oops, silly me. Just living in the NWA, past. NWA, TNA, total <laughs> nonstop action. GFW presents um, Slammiversary 18. I guess. Yeah, it was 18, I believe. Yeah. First match, we had the Rascals Open Challenge. And who who, who answered the challenge? But uh, the Motor, Motor City, City Machine, Machine Guns. Motor City Machine Guns. All right, come on. I was, that was my spot right there. I kind of just trampled on it. So who who answered the call? The Alex Shelley and Motor City. Who answered the call? The Motor City, City Machine Guns. guns. Oh, you know what? We'll just make it ours. We'll just do it together. You know, who answered I, the call? The Motor City Machine the Guns. City Machine All right. Guns. So anyway, now that I got that in there, former Impact World Champion Chris Sabin and noted NXT uh, wrestler Alex Shelley. I have not seen Chris Sabin since. Wasn't he a best of the Super Juniors last year? Or no? Uh, maybe. I, I haven't seen him in forever, honestly. Since he was teaming with Matt Seidel's love gun? Yeah, like, he's not been... I feel like he's been injured or something. I love the Motor City Machine Guns. I just don't think they're a very sustainable team because Alex Shelley and Chris Saban are both made of paper mache. Yeah. So, um, what do you think of the match? It was good. It's 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 good for like a starting off the pay per view, especially yep. on like Slammiversary. Just get a, like a nice nostalgia team. That's cool. That's yeah, nice I fun. thought it was a really nice nostalgic pop from Motor City Machine Guns to sort of get you hooked. And I think it set it set a nice precedent for the way that the night was going to go with surprises and returns and whatnot. And then you have the Rascals who. Um, personal feelings aside, are a great high spot team, and I feel like are really good at working with any team. You know, I, I'm still a huge fan of their warrior wrestling match against Osprey, Amazing Red, and who was the other one? Was it Rocky? Uh, yeah, it was Rocky. That yeah. was such a fun fucking match. Um, I was eating a hot dog. Yeah, you were there live for it, eating a hot dog. So if Hell you yeah. want to catch Isai in Chicago eating a hot dog, then God damn it, you better go to Warrior Wrestling X. And that is, means Warrior Wrestling 10. It was really good. That was my second Warrior Wrestling show. That's awesome. They're, they're, they're going to be starting up here too soon. They're doing like an outdoor show and like, cool. In Boise? No. Oh, Warrior. Yeah. Ah, okay. So I'm going to do an outdoor show in Chicago. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't it through a Catholic high school? So they could probably just do it in like the, the recess yard. I don't know why. The I playground. Think- the recess yard. Jesus Christ, I'm like 80 fucking years old. You gotta go over to the recess yard. <laughs> I just, uh, well, the thing about the recess yard. 
Hello, it's me. Hello, it's me. I'm 80 fucking years old. <laughs> hey guys, it's me, Terry Funk. God damn it, Whippy. It's me, Terry Funk. Okay, uh, what were we talking about before? Oh, Rascals. Yeah. Fun match. Um, yeah, then in a not so good match, or also known as the old school rules match for the unsanctioned TNA World Heavyweight Championship, Moose defeated Tommy Dreamer in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. This match was uncomfortable to watch because I didn't think the wrestling was very good and it was just so many weapon spots and I was just like feeling bad for him. Tommy Dreamer's gonna die in the ring and like leave like 85, so it's what he wants. Yeah. It's a it good thing he like, didn't die at WrestleMania 17. I was, uh, I was cooking food during this one, so I didn't really care. Yeah, this was definitely my weed pen match, where I just sort of sat there and hit my weed pen the entire time. And then there was a pin. Or no, at one point, Moose was trying to put a thumbtack into Tommy Dreamer's eye, and I was like, save it for Sunday. We already got an eye for an eye match, boys. <laughs> so, hold the phone. Hold the phone. Um, bury the fucking lead here yeah and I'm just not really a fan of Moose Um, I love Tommy Dreamer but I don't really care to watch him wrestle anymore and yeah I think that this match is when I really started to notice how lacking the atmosphere was for the pay-per-view I think I don't even want to say that we've been spoiled with wrestlers in the audience but just having something but um, this was probably the worst atmosphere for a show that I've watched in a couple months and I think that really put most of the matches in a sort of gl- under a glass ceiling, right? You know, there was only yeah. it could only be so good. Um, for me personally speaking, uh, but yeah, it just it just it, yeah, the atmosphere was super lacking on this. Um, and there was, I mean, some truly wild spots, and the spots just kind of fell flat for me because of that. Where I was like, this just feels dangerous. Yeah, even when you don't have like when you don't have like even the fake crowd. Exactly, and I feel like, you know, they've got all those wrestlers there. They had, like, what, 12 women for the fucking gauntlet match? You couldn't have put six of them ringside? So They couldn't just put, like, anybody ringside, like the crew, if they're not doing anything anymore? I think it's funny because I feel like, you know what, maybe backstage they're, like, hung up. Like, well, the wrestlers can't be ringside because they're wrestlers. But it's, like, I feel like that's maybe common in wrestling, too, where you try to, like, justify some stupid thing like this. But at the same time, you'll have a swamp fight. Or you'll have, like, Rosemary, who, like, comes from hell. Like, you can have characters that can live and die in this company, but the wrestlers can't stand ringside. Because it's, gotta, you know. Gotta make sure they look like stars. If they're fans, they're not stars. <laughs> Someone's like, Tasha steals his ringside? What the fuck? Oh, uh, this just, the entire this, illusion is ruined for me. This fucking sucks. <laughs> um, Speaking of the women's gauntlet match, next up we had Kylie Ray winning the gauntlet for the gold to determine the number one contender for the impact knockouts championship sorry just my body's just infecting me with a case of the hiccups so it happens it happens in 19 minutes and 20 seconds by last eliminating taya valkyrie the story here was kylie ray starting off at number one and going all the way to the end to eliminate the most prolific knockouts champion taya valkyrie i thought this sucked it was just there. Like it was it was just set up really weird and I understand what they were trying to do, but we, it would have been just way better if you just do Taya versus Kylie. Yeah, and 
I'm just so sick of the spot of like dudes coming out dressed as women wrestlers during women's yeah. matches. Like, I just don't understand how we haven't moved past that. And the two, they did it twice. And I was just like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, it's just it, like they're trying to get like an easy pop, if you will. It's like, yeah. look, these women are better than these dudes. But it's like, first off, nobody's there. Second off, like, it's been done to death. Just fucking stop. Yeah, someone at home is like, God damn, Tasha Steeles is... I don't know why I keep picking Tasha Steeles. It's just the one other name I remember from the match. I'll do Kira <laughs> Hogan. Like, God damn, Kira Hogan really stuck it at Johnny Bravo that time. She's a future champ. No one's yeah. sitting at home thinking that. Um, after this match, we had Heath, not the candy bar, but the now free agent, coming out and doing a promo and then fighting someone who I have no fucking clue who their name is. I don't remember. I remember yeah. the segment. That's it. Um, it's cool to see Heath. It's presumed that he will be teaming with Rhino in a tag team. So I'm really hoping that Heath still does some independence or something outside of just impact. Um, I would really like to see him step out and get weird and get cool. Um, then we have the X Division Championship. Chris Bay defeating Willie Mack in 10 minutes and one second. What did you think of this match? Um, it was good. Yeah. Willie Mack, I think, is like a fucking great worker. I think he and, would have done some cool things in WWE. I feel bad that he didn't pan out. Yeah, I think it was like it was something with like um like a he didn't pass a physical. I believe so, so. Yeah, no, I'm the same. Like it was just like, oh, like this guy's good and Chris Bay is like he's a young guy and he's good too, so it's fine. I guess I should say that's not also to discredit anything that Willie Mack has achieved in Lucha Underground and Impact. He has found success in everywhere he goes, so I think that definitely says something about him. He's even found success in Juggalo Championship Wrestling, which is awesome. Championship um, Wrestling. Championship. Sorry, my apologies. Um, my this dear. match had some cool spots. Willie Mack doing a cutter off the apron onto the floor was pretty awesome. Um Chris Bay having like that big old gutsky hit. He moves so well. He really does. I think he's one of the most deceptively agile performers in the ring. Um I still am not completely sold on Chris Bay. A lot of the stuff he does feels like almost Isaiah Squat Scott Light in terms of just like the quick sort of Yeah, and I mean I think that it's because Swerve has such a unique style. I've seen it start to be copied a bit on the indies just with the way he sort of moves and like snakes around and whatnot. But I feel like if you're not able to really achieve the fluidity of that style, it just looks incredibly rehearsed or just clunky at times. And I found Bay's performance to be pretty clunky in this match. Um, yeah. Next up, I did not. Swerve oh, is just ahead. really Sorry. good. I was going to say, Swerve is just really good. And like the transitions between moves, getting from hold to hold and stuff always just looks so fluid. And so when you yeah. see somebody kind of trying to do the same thing, and you've seen somebody does it at such a high level. You just you always compare it to that, and you're just like, ah, it definitely wasn't as good. Yeah, I think you know. I look at Chris Bay against Willie Mack, and then I look at the uh, Isaiah Scott versus Johnny Gargano match, and just the difference in the two performances is vast. Um, oh, yeah. Next up, in 15 minutes and 56 seconds, we had the North defeating Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan in the biggest Sonic Brownie bite. What the fuck, team of the night? This is uh this happened. I did not watch this match. It played and I didn't watch it. 
I I don't remember a single thing. I just remember the North winning, and then Motor City Machine Guns came out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I they ever... really just had nothing for Sammy Callahan or Ken Shamrock to do on this pay-per-view. I agree, yeah, they're just kind of getting the spot. Yeah, I remember it being on, but I think I was just fucking off on my phone the whole time, so. Yeah. I feel like Impact sort of has this old person problem where it's like for every RVD they have a Tommy Dreamer and a Ken Shamrock who just can't move. And um I think it's fun to see them, but I would much rather see Tommy Dreamer and Ken Shamrock in managerial roles as opposed to in ring performers, you know. Um yeah. last or second to last we had Diana Parazzo. Diana Parazzo. How was that? It was good. Thank you. Um, she defeated Jordan Grace, 15 minutes and 12 seconds, I think, in what can be called the second best women's U.S. match of the year so far. I would say that um, the first was probably still Thunder Rosa versus Allison K at NWA's Hard Times. Love that match. But I was really surprised by this match. I thought it was damn good, and this was probably the best performance I had seen by both women. And I think Deanna Parazzo definitely proved that she was underutilized during her WWE tenure. So I I, I like this match. Um, I would I don't know if it was like the second best like women's match I've seen. I thought it was really good. I thought Jordan Grace was really good. Some of the stuff like with Deanna Parazzo, like I could see like she's very good at certain things, but like there's just other times where just like I don't know, just things just didn't seem like, especially like with some of her selling. Where I just it just didn't seem as believable, especially like when you have someone like Jordan Grace who like you could tell really knows their character. Mm-hmm. And and then on the other side of it, it's like I don't know what Diana Peraza's character is supposed to be. Like you know she's a virtuosa. Like what what does that even mean? And yeah. she does an arm bar. So I, I don't have as much investment to care like who she is because like I don't know. Like we haven't been given that information anyway. Yeah, not Whereas, I mean I I don't watch Impact Weekly. And I did not get any sort of indication or background on her character just from the video promo either. Yeah, and so stuff like that kind of like kind of going into a match and you can see one person exuding what their character is, one person necessarily not doing anything. You're just like, okay, like I don't know why I should care. Like, tell me, like, Sex Ferguson said this in Wake Up Time to Die with Sex Ferguson. Said it to uh, <laughs> Milky, but he's like, um, he's like, tell me about Mama, why you're fighting for. It's like, tell me, like, yeah, give me your backdrop. Why are you here? Give yeah. me your reason to care. No, and I feel like the the championship reign of Jordan Grace was relatively short lived. I'm yeah. pretty sure that she won it at their last pay per view, Hard to Kill, from Taya Valkyrie. So it's... I don't, and that that was what April. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Yeah, so I mean. Oh, unfortunate. I guess Impact really sees something in Donna Perazzo, and I feel like you know you have there's just as much of an investment in Kylie Ray because both of them were just recently signed. So it'll be interesting to see who wins that feud, unless Donna Perazzo is just transitional, which in that case would suck. Yeah, and the, well, in that case, would like I feel like we're missing out on Kylie Ray versus Jordan Grace too. So yeah, hopefully we get a long feud with all three women. Finally, in the main event, we had Eddie Edwards, Ace Austin. And Trey, and then the surprise entrant, a returning from injury, Richard Swan. 
And then in a surprise, surprise entrant, we have the returning Eric Young, who I have to admit is just someone I have never got. And I just have (laughs) zero interest in. Um, Even even like when he came out and he was a former Impact World Champion, like a former like TNA, like original guy. He's been there and he only like he left the WWE for a while and did okay in NXT. Did absolutely nothing on the main roster. He comes back. And it was like a fucking fart in the church. You're expecting like three, maybe one of the good brothers. You're expecting, you know, fucking Matt Cardona, Brian Meyer, anybody. It's like, here's Eric Young. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I remember on some of the podcasts they were talking about EC3 isn't as much of a tarnished name as like an Eric Young or a Heath Miller because those people were recently seen on TV getting their shit kicked. And yeah, at um, least EC3 hasn't been on TV since October. Exactly. So I think he has that to his benefit. And yeah. even then, like you like he wrestled like four matches. Eric Young just like walked out and was like, I'm the main event surprise. And I was just Hello. like, No, you're I couldn't like I the reason I liked the Deanna Perazzo match so much is but it was the first time during the entire pay per view that I forgot there was no crowd. I was actually consumed with the match. I can't really say I ever felt that with this and I feel like this lackluster surprise was maybe a response to that, but um, I will say this. I thought this match was incredibly well performed. It was crisp. The transitions were pretty good. I thought everyone hit their spots very well. Um, Madman nice Fulton was stories. there. Madman Fulton was there, and he is now teamed up with Ace Austin for I have zero clue fucking why. Um, Ace Austin, I, I, it was at that Warrior show, too, and he was like in like the third match. So it's just weird seeing him in... <laughs> Like the fucking main event of this when he was just like a guy on the warrior. Yeah. Um, Eddie Edwards won. I wish Edward I would Edwards. like Eddie Edwards a lot more if he didn't look the way he did. I want to know, like, I've watched a lot of Impact pay-per-views. And it's just like this transition of Edward Edwards. So to like this fucking like hardcore guy who like carries a stick and wears jeans and shit. <laughs> It's, I don't even like think about that. It's the fact that he has like a braided mohawk. <laughs> so as far as I know, he was just normal. This is the story of Edward Edwards. There was once a normal, typical run-of-the-mill the guy. Of Edward Edwards. Yeah, and he was an American wolf. And he would like to pal oh. around with his other wolf friend, Davy Richards, thank you. And eventually they split up and Eddie Edward Edwards became a world champion. Edward Edwards then became a GHC champion in professional wrestling Noah a couple years ago, which is truly fucking wild and a hell of an accomplishment, especially for a Gaijin. Yeah, that's a. I mean, the GHC championship is still very well booked in my opinion, and um, no, just a professional wrestling, not pro wrestling, professional wrestling Noah. Oh, sorry, 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 professional wrestling Noah, and um. I love that they're called Noah just because it was a mass exodus. I think that's fun. Yeah. Um, and then he fought this wicked young man named Sammy Callahan. And Sammy Callahan accidentally let a bat go and broke poor Edward Edwards' eye. Then Edward Edwards came back with a bloodlust for revenge. And all he could focus on was tarnishing the name and physical specimen that was Sammy Callahan. So after that, he just started dressing weirder and weirder. And he would like bleed and cover himself in blood. And then he just one day looked like this, like straight up. He just became like a small, better wrestler, Tommy Dreamer. 
Yeah, he's just. I mean, he can go. He's good. It's just he looks like shit. Yeah, fuck, man. I've never seen such a good wrestler that looks like such shit. Um, like who else looks that bad and is that good? Okada in pants. Even then, the Okada and the Long Boys was fine. The Long Boys. <laughs> yeah, I love that. The pink, pink hair, yelling Scooby Dooby Doo up. Scooby Dooby Doo! I love that shit. I um, how much drugs he was on. It was a lot. It was a, he bought a lot from me. He was always yeah. calling me. He was, I was like, living in, no chaser. I'm like, you gotta fucking come to Rapungi. He's like, you come to me. And I was like, I'm not coming there, man. You got me fucked up. Extreme Rules, the horror show at Extreme Rules. Thank you. WWE presents, presented by Snickers, the horror show and at Dollar Extreme General. Rules and Dollar General. In the, you want to talk about the kickoff show at all? I I miss that shit. So Murphy versus Kevin Owens is really good. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was just a good match. I hope Kevin Owens leaves WWE. He's not. Really. He recently re-signed like a five-year deal. He did. And he got like fucking travel and shit in there. He, this is his, he wants to be. Damn. I just feel like he has been so underutilized for the, as long as I can remember. He hasn't though. He's been in prominent roles. Or just, I mean, I can't think of anything outside of the Rollins feud that he's done that's memorable. The, everything with Jericho? Sammy feud? No, no, I mean like in like the past year, year and a half, two years. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I mean, like in the last couple of years, it's been a little bit rough. I mean, especially within this last like six months period, obviously, like he's been in and out just because of stuff with his family. Um, he got injured for a while, and so that's he seems like the he feels like a supplementary character that's sort of in the background. Like he could be in this feud or he could not be, and he's sort of just like that role. Where I feel like he can put him in anything. Like he was kind of part of this Seth and Ray feud, but he wasn't. He was kind of part of like the fucking like oh, what did he do at WrestleMania? He did yeah against Rollins and um, but yeah, yeah I, th- I think it was the mix of like everything happening with the pandemic, and you pair that with like before he was injured and like they were kind of getting his face character off the ground. He had like that really long feud with Shane McMahon. Yeah, which like which. In oh my eyes, god, fuck. In, in their eyes, that is like a top level spot. You're like, it's true. You're, and so, like, you got, like, for them, they're giving him a ton. It's like, we don't want to see him. Like, with exactly. And so, I, I know what the feeling is, but, like, at the same time, he's making a ton of money. Um, like, he got, like, a great deal. Um, and this was always his dream. Like, he said it from day one. It's like guys like him and, like, Ricochet. Like, that's where they want to be. Like, oh, I watched no. the Ricochet 365. That's some connection issue. And he was like, oh, every day's going to be good in this business. And so, like, like you got to take the good and the bad and just ride it out. And he's like, I, I want to be here. I love this place. Like, this oh, is my geez. dream as a kid. I saw The Rock wrestle and I wanted to be him. It's like, there it is. Yeah. No, and um, I'm excited to, uh, for his future. I hope he is able to do a lot more. I think he is a world champion. I feel like right now he's on a leash and he needs to be unleashed. And I think like if you get him like in a program that's actually about him, it will work. Yeah. Like just like right now where he's like Ray's bud, like yeah. Yeah. 
Next up, we had Bailey defeating Nikki Cross for the WWE SmackDown's Women's Championship in 12 minutes and 20 seconds. And so I'm going to kind of give two different judgments. I'm going to give two different judgments of this match and a couple matches in a vacuum and a bubble. Independent. Last week was good. Had a great match. Told a good story. I enjoyed everything. Um, the finish kind of was what it was. And that's where when you go outside of this bubble now, and if you look at it from the last couple of weeks, Nikki has lost the last two weeks in a row. And then was told behind, like, she's like, come on, you can do it. Even though you lost, you're, you're going to go out there and you're going to kill it. And then she goes out there and loses again. So it's pretty much told us that she's a loser. Classic WWE baby face booking. Yeah. And so, like I said, in a bubble, the match was really good. But then when you kind of take into account everything, you're like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll get there, but I have a question about Sasha Banks later. Um, the boss, the blueprint, the yeah. standard. There you go. Um, what were some good spots? The swinging neckbreaker off the ring apron to the outside was pretty cool. This oh, yeah. was a well-wrestled match. I thought Nikki Cross's facial expressions and her character work in this match was incredible. At the beginning of the match, she had such conviction in her eyes. I thought that she actually was going to win the title. Um, I'm excited about the women's scene right now just because I really have no idea, one, who's one of the champions, and two, who will dethrone Bailey if not but Sasha Banks at this point? And yeah, when will that program even begin? So, The women's division's been holding up a lot of the shakes. Yes, I think that really the WWE unsung heroes of the Empty Arena era have been Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Asuka. Yep. That's the, that's the ones. It's the Holy Trinity. Next up, we have MVP defeating Apollo Crews by forfeit in a singles match for the WWE United States Championship. Um, I really hated this just because this is the second... Well, it was the first time, but later on, as we'll see with Sasha Banks, they did this twice on the show where someone wins the title in a fashion that you're not really sure if they win the title. So now we have two champions on the same brand on the raw brand that are declared champions as opposed to undisputed champions. Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit excessive. I feel like they were going to wait and like, cause Apollo has been off TV for the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if it's a injury or if it's legit or what I feel if they, like maybe he just had something happen and, they were waiting to see if he was going to be ready. He's not, so they're just going to go this way. And the way they built the story is that they could do that, which I can understand having like a, like a fucking like escape rope, you know? Being like, yeah. We have I we mean, have this get out of jail free card, but you don't do this one and then do the Sasha one. You do one or the other. Exactly, and this for whatever reason, sense, so. for whatever reason, just because it is WWE, I felt like. This was intentional. Like, Apollo Crews is totally fine to go, and they're just doing this because they think this is their smart booking. So, if, um, if he comes out tomorrow and wrestles, then you are right. And it's dumb. true. If he's not there and he is actually injured, then I, I get it. Then yeah. I will understand it. I just, but because. Better not fucking show up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and it's because they just ran this same angle with him disappearing in his last feud with Andrade. So now it's like he's starting to get this reputation for not showing up to work. And in most jobs, you can get fired for that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just worried about his punctuality, if anything, um, his attendance. 
We should do that. We should do an attendance record for WWE every year and release it. Oh, yeah. Who would be on Truancy? Oh, I don't know. I will say... Zack Ryder. Fuck, you're right. I will (laughs) say that Ricochet, I think, last year wrestled the most matches and won the most on Raw. Damn. Isn't that weird? Yeah, because he didn't do anything with it. Do you remember, like, last year when he beat fucking Drew Galloway or Drew McIntyre? He beat McIntyre in the King of the Ring, right? First round? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and clean. Like, with his move. Yeah. Remember when Cedric Alexander also beat Drew? Yeah. God, that was cool. Like, that, like, couple weeks where Cedric was hanging out with the main eventers. Like. Yeah, he, like, jumped off the Raw sign. Yeah, it's like. You know what we call that? A Paul Heyman project. That didn't pan out. We'll talk about some Heyman stuff after we get through the show. <laughs> All right. Next up, we had Seth Rollins dismembering Rey Mysterio in an eye for an eye match. The match that can only be won when one competitor extracts the eye of their opponent in 18 minutes and five seconds. You take, I'm going to do the same thing actually I did the last one. In a bubble, the wrestling looks good. The wrestling looks really good. They're both very talented wrestlers. You then put in the stipulation of the fucking eye thing. Okay, it's fucking weird, but you don't say, like, extract an eye. You can make it, like, a hardcore match. It's fine. And psychologically, Ray's going to try to go for his eye again. Makes sense. I understand that. Tell that story. But I understand perform, that. Perform unnecessary sur- extract an eye. Like, come the fuck on. And, like, them freaking out, like, oh, my God, this is disgusting that they're trying to do this. That's what the whole, I'll tell you, win the match. So in, instead of fucking, like, burying the fucking gimmick on how you win and calling it, like, that's so vicious. Like, that's just how you fucking win. But if he has turned this into a hardcore match where that's what Ray's trying to do to him and Seth is also trying to do it to him, I think it hits a lot more. Then you get to the actual finish of the fucking fake eye. You're not, not even, like, gushing blood, which there could be gushing blood. Um... And then Rollins puking some oatmeal. I love that. That was a funny element that I think that do, but it was hilarious. We can I could honestly say fuck the vacuum because this was my little Caesars monster pepperoni pizza match of the night. Was it? Yeah. My little Caesars monster pepperoni match of the night. How many times do I have to say it? Uh one more. This was my little Caesars monster. Pepperoni match of the night. Did you actually enjoy the match? I actually enjoyed this match a lot, and I think it's because I was expecting a zero, and I thought that they made the most with the gimmick and the stipulation. Um, I enjoyed the eye spots. I thought that the, I thought that the wrestling was phenomenal. There was a lot of just brutal spots. Ray getting thrown out to the outside. Let me see. I actually wrote some notes. Hold on. Can you the still hear me? In, um... I loved the, the stick me? spot, like where they broke the stick. That was, um, that was fucking brutal. That should have been the ending, and like he's just all fucked up from it, you know? Uh, hold on. So, oh, Rollins coming out with the pliers, I thought was fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, all the random tools that we've like never seen in a wrestling match. The falcon arrow on the ring apron, badass. The baseball the slide deal. throw to the outside. Kendo sticks, uh, the kendo stick shoved into the turnbuckle, I thought was a nice innovation. 
the Sunset Flip powerbomb into the barricade. The I thought Mysterio hitting the curb stomps were cool. Yeah, and then um, and then Mysterio's. You did you see the eye in his hand? I yeah, the little marble or whatever. Yeah, so the I like that they actually showed the eye briefly. I would have liked to have seen Seth hold it up and eat it, but I guess. <laughs> You know, you got to worry about stockholders or shareholders, whatever the fuck they are. Uh, But yeah, I actually liked the ending of the match. I thought it was so fucking goofy. Like, if you're going to be goofy, stick to it. And I thought that they went all the way with this, especially with the vomit. Like, it was just so over the top. I liked it. Yeah. Like I said, said, in a vacuum, like the wrestling's really good. And they, as performers, they did the best they could with what they had. Yeah. Um, They made it interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. It it was again. I came into this with like little to no expectation, so I mean, I wasn't mad at the end of the pay per view. Yeah, no, and I will I will say this: I am not as forgiving of the finish for this next match, which is yeah. Sasha Banks defeating Oscar in twenty minutes flat for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. All right, put this one back in my vacuum. Fucking great wrestling, like wrestling match. Yeah, awesome. And then at the end, there is so much more. <laughs> yeah, I thought Sasha really solidified herself as maybe the best women's bumper in the company with this. Those German suplexes from Oscar just looked like beautiful, just folding she's her like a fucking lawn she's chair. Ever been. Yeah, no, and I told my little brother Costantino, who I always watch the pay per views and shows with, I was like. Also, short out, shout out to the group chat. Shout out to Jordan. Shout out to Nick Patrick. All the all the friends of the show. Thank you for listening. We're back, baby. Um, yeah. yeah. Suck your own. Suck your own. Um, also, you're disappeared. I'm disappeared. Oh, I'm frozen on the chat. I'm sorry. That's okay. I don't know how to change it. Um, hold on. Nope. Um. This is the longest I feel like Sasha Banks has actually stuck around in years. Yeah, and it's really nice because she's really good. It is, and I was like, she's been around for almost a full calendar year, which I feel like never fucking happens. She's always out with something. So, yeah, this finish just had, it was so overblown with just ref bumps and belt hits and taking the referee's shirt off and you're not really sure if she actually won. It was just... Especially with the cheating in Bailey's other match, it was just excessive. It was a repeat of a lot of things that we'd already seen in the night. So this just felt like a very uninspired match in its final moments, which was sad given how great it was otherwise. But obviously this match is not, or this feud is not over. So I'm hoping that we get a clear, decisive finish to it. And I'm excited to see what they keep doing. So I was a fan of the first three-fourths of this. Yeah, when we got to the uh, going home parts. Really yeah. just fucking hit the shit. But in the bubble, the wrestling was real good. It was. Next up, like I said, I thought this show was very watchable. And that's um, like WWE usually the most I can ask for. Next up, we had Drew McIntyre defending the WWE Championship against Dolph Ziggler in a one-sided Extreme Rules match. Um, I started cracking up when he fucking listed the stipulation. Yeah. I just... get. I get the booking. Because what they wanted to do was stack the deck against Drew because nobody believed that Dolph could win. And so they're like, oh, the odds are up against old Drewski tonight. Can he do it? And then the odds were going to. But that, that's what they were trying to do. 
Um, after Asuka and Sasha Banks, I thought this was actually kind of enjoyable because just like watching Sasha bump, you just got to watch Dolph do these truly wild bumps. Oh, um, the fucking floor. Also, like, it's like you couldn't put him through the table because he's DQ. We suplexed him on the floor. That's got to hurt way more. Oh, did we talk about Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura defeating the New Day? I don't think, I think we skipped that. We did. And that was Yeah, cool. well, um, that was good. And I thought the final table spot was fucking wow. I love they it because they drove them t- through it. And table matches, you usually get like a fuck finish, like a fuck finish with like one. Well, well, the guy didn't really lose. It was like a, like one fuck up. This was so decisive. Like, yeah, it was so like they power bombed his ass two tables, and it's like they won. They were the better team. Walked out holding up the titles because they won the match. It wasn't like a slip or a reversal or you know anything like that. You know. Yeah. No, I agree. And I just thought all the table breaks this night were very clean. Uh, Dolph Ziggler's beautiful elbow from the top turnbuckle to the outside on Drew through the table. Thought that, yeah, that was, was another cool. awesome spot. And just that, like the table like, breaks were crisp, they were just exploding. That made it worth like that made it worth the shitty stipulation to me is when he jumped off. I'm like, okay, that's sick. The way I would have booked the match, because I know everyone wants to know, because I'm the supreme booker, um, is that I would have had Drew murder Dolph and then had that be Dolph's one big spot and then that's it because yeah. I feel like you didn't even need Dolph to get offense in on this because it's not like his character gains nothing and lose nothing from this match unless he won the fucking title clean it's the only yeah. way he even gains anything so I thought Drew should just have a sort of squash honestly like a carrying cross versus Tommaso Ciampa kind of match yeah we, like the Brock Lesnar John Cena you get a couple like yeah. Oh, this is where he like takes control, but then no. I did I really like the finish though. Of the fucking kip up into the fucking Claymore because it uh-huh. just it just looked sick. Yeah. No, I um I agree. I thought the stipulation was gonna be no claymores. And <laughs> the I was stipulation like, That's was so that funny. the ref can only count pins for me. <laughs> That would have been smart. Then he would have got submitted. Um, finally, in a Wyatt Swamp fight, I guess I guess Bray Wyatt defeated Braun Strowman. Do you really know? I don't know, nor do I care. This is That's what the Wikipedia life. says. Okay. Well, let's go with that. Yeah, I thought this fucking sucked. This is what, like, what's funny is that, like, the rest of the show was very watchable. Um... You know, obviously didn't agree with lot, like some of the booking. Uh, the wrestling was good. The wrestling, like there was no real wrestling. There was just some punches. A uh, guy got lit on fire, which was fine. Um, but just everything else, like they're just trying so hard on these cinematic matches. And Bray Wyatt as a character is fucking fantastic, but Braun is not. <laughs> and it just was so. This was like a. It was so weird. And it just it was so unnecessary. Yeah, I feel like half the match was just Bray being like, <laughs> "Hey man, I'm we're gonna go, man. we're gonna go to the Devil's Den, man. And when, and when the Devil's gonna come, man? Uh huh. Yeah, brother, you gotta open up and let it in, you know. And I was just like, "What the fuck? I hated this. It felt like the thing is, it's funny because." There's those WWE movies like See No Evil or 12 Rounds. 
And I feel like the best way WWE can monetize on their characters is to make films about the actual characters themselves. Like, let's get a movie about Kane, right? That would be cool. And I feel like these cinematches are like the first evidence of what those would be like. And to be honest, I never want those fucking movies to come out. Because these are so bad sometimes. And it seems like WWE doesn't even really have a grasp on who these characters are because they just throw them into situations like... It's just wild to me that this is a billion-dollar company. Like, it's wild to me that Fox Television paid as much money for this shit as they did. Have you ever seen some of those reality shows? Come on. That's yeah, true, but Jesus fuck. It's it's just it's wild because like people say that Bray Wyatt's an ass, and like he understands no, like he understands his character so much, and this this and that. That's fine. I don't fucking. Where's the evidence of that? The only good thing he's ever done is the Firefly Funhouse outside of his strap match, and that was Brian. I'm just saying, people backstage, like, creatively, he's a genius. Yeah, and I, and I, I don't know. Everyone always says that, but then I'm like, I would like to see him in another company and see how much this genius. Because I honestly think that Matt Hardy is doing some brilliant work in AEW with this like constant gimmick switching. I think it's fun. I love it. And I feel like he is a genius, but I don't see Bray Wyatt being a fucking genius because every time he does something, it's so bad. And he has to have some influence on it because there's nothing else like it on these shows. So he definitely well, has some creative input. They've booked like his shit into such a corner that like he's fucked. And it's dumb. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of people who can make chicken salad out of chicken shit. and He is not one of them. No, I agree. Like creatively, like if left maybe to like all of his own devices, he will probably creatively do well. He's not a great wrestler, um, but with what we've been given with him and everything, it's just like people never come out of feuds with Bray Wyatt better, and he also doesn't come out of better in the same shit. And like when he was the world champion, it didn't fucking matter. Because it's like, oh, like it's this fucking spooky Bray doing his weird yeah. shit. And then, so I guess then they oh, killed ahead, him sorry. off with Gold. I was gonna say then they killed him off with Goldberg, which to me was the moment they booked him. Like you knew. I, yeah. I remember everybody being so mad. I'm like, oh, why didn't anybody else? Do that? <laughs> um, I feel like the SummerSlam big feuds will be Orton and Drew McIntyre, and. Fiend and Braun Strowman. Yeah, here we go. Here's here's a hot take. This weekend, that's it for Extreme Rules. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. go back. Um, <laughs> Randy Orton has been one of the like constant highlights so far. Yeah, I agree. I'm blown from away. What I've just from the highlights I've seen. Um, I'm blown away I've... that I'm saying that. Um, but he seems inspired. His character like actually captivating. He's cutting good promos. Like when he's actually wrestling, it's pretty good i'm like yeah what, what the fuck dude also like when what him coming out in support of black lives matter and admitting he was wrong before maybe that just kind of softened me just a little bit for him but like i see personal growth like that and then i see him inspired on tv i'm like god damn it randall i agree hell? i think he has one of the best grasps on a character right now too just because i remember his match with andrade and angel garza where he fucking pulls angel garza out of the ring and like smacks him and just like Drill sergeant him. talks to him. Oh my god! Yeah. I thought that was. We need more of that in matches. Like we just need more reality 
Yeah, know? and it plays to his character so well. Like, it like, really does. Like, even though, like, he's a bad guy, and, like, usually, like, nine times out of ten bad guys, when they're all together, they're just, they're all buds. It's like, no, I can't say. business, and, like, he wants shit to be done right, and this fucker's not doing it right, and I gotta set him straight. I can't say I'm excited for his big show match, but um, I think that what's most exciting about this eventual is- Drew McIntyre-Orton feud is that if it does happen, is that this is the first time Drew could potentially lose a title. Yeah, and it gives it like a little bit of suspense. It makes you want to tune in. Truly, and I think that that's the one thing that Drew's title run has been lacking is he's been able to get a good match out of each person he's faced. I truly believe that. However, I don't think that his matches have had any real heat to them because he's booked so strongly that you just know that he is going to stay on top. And this Orton one is that Orton's on such a tear that it would make sense to me if he became champion and then Edge comes back and gets that one last run or something. Yeah, one more match, just like Christian. Um, yeah. No, it's like, and like this is this kind of um, maybe an indictment on the booking of WWE just in general. But when you like when you don't have anybody that's credible, it really hurts, and you can't just start hot shotting everybody because you still you don't have that credibility. Even if they won like two months worth of raw matches, you don't believe that Bobby Lashley's gonna be. Like you just don't believe it, and it didn't happen. And then like Dolph Ziggler shows up and wins a couple matches, and you just don't believe he's gonna be good. Randy Orton, over the last decade or whatever, well, fifteen years, however long he's been there, twenty years, he has always been booked in a certain way where he's always credible and he can always win the title. And if they had other people that they booked that way, like you talk about Kevin Owens, if they had Kevin Owens booked. Even if he's not in the main feud, he's always coming out on top and he doesn't look like he's weak. I think when you t- toss him in the main event feud, it's believable. But when you have people like, let's say, Apollo, before he did his United States Championship run, he was in a match I never thought he was winning. And finally, he got a run. Yeah. No, I, I've been really happy about the Apollo story and everything. And. I'm hoping that they keep up with it and he doesn't fall into the background because he seems like perhaps the final payment project. So here's to hoping he sticks around. Um, to conclude the show, we're going to go through our favorite moments of the empty arena era so far. Oh, before we do that, I, um, I, did you watch countdown to Fucktown? I did not. Please seek it out. It's great. What is it great. on? YouTube. YouTube. All right. Um, Link me softly, brother. I will, but it's just the Good Brothers and Ryan Satin was asking them questions. Oh, it was and, Ryan Satin? Yeah, Ryan Satin asked him a bunch of questions about everything. It was like kind of like a guided shoot interview. And it wasn't the guy from Kayfabe Commentary, so it wasn't like some douchey guy. Sweet. Um, It was just really a really interesting talk. They just talked about their decision to stay and their other options. I'm not going to like just give away everything to you. But the one thing that I read all the all the really yeah. stuff the one, about it. The one thing that was a big surprise that apparently that they weren't on Vince's original list. Really, they weren't. And then Paul Heyman's the one that apparently made the call. Oh yeah, own. because he was like, "They're making so much money." That's what Dave was pissed about because AJ Com said that that wasn't true. And then on yeah. Countdown to Fucktown, they said that it was true, and AJ said that it was true. Yeah. 
And so that's what happened was that they were just uh, Paul Heyman made the call and Vince just said, okay. And AJ apparently went to Paul Heyman. I was like, hey, what the fuck, dude? And um, he's like, no, I didn't make it. It wasn't me. I, I would have protected him. I would have gone up to bat. You know I'm telling the truth. But then AJ just went to Vince. He's like, these are my friends. Like, part of, like, I helped you re-sign them so they could stay here with me. Um, you were doing this. They were promised this, this, and that. And he just said, Paul Heyman made the decision. They weren't on my list. I agreed with you. But he made the decision, and it was his to make. Yeah. And Unfortunate. So, yeah, and it just was really mind-blowing just because, like, uh, Carl Anderson just talked about how, like, Paul Heyman would blow smoke up their asses and do all this shit, and that he was just a fucking liar. And he, I, I think he feels really betrayed by Triple H because, like, they had really good talks in Japan. That's when they re-signed is when they teamed with Triple H. And that's when, like, he said Triple oh, H. shit. Triple H, like, backstage called him into his dressing room to get ready. And, like, they got ready there with him and, like, we're going over stuff. And he just said, hey, Carl, man, when I see you, I see your kids. And he's like, AEW, they're new and they're your friends. But what happens if they're not going to always be there? WWE's always just going to be here. He's like, dude, like, we can set you up for your last contract that you leave. This Hunter, is- Why? And I get it. I guess I don't think this was Triple H's doing was them getting fired. And he just, uh, he said he's super charming. He's a nice guy. That he's like, dude, it didn't feel like boss and uh, employee. It felt like just two humans talking. He's like, I felt like we had a good relationship. And then he, they just got let go. And so he's just, I think he feels kind of betrayed by it. Yeah. We, Brady and I were talking afterwards on this. Um, and I, I shout out Brady. I feel and he feels both that like Hunter probably has like such a fucking shit job right now because like just clean up fucking Vince's mess. Yeah, like having to do that and then like he tries to set something up like for Drake Maverick before he got fired. He's like, dude, I was fucking gonna use him in my tournament like with six people, you asshole. I just <laughs> announced him. And so luckily then everything happened with Drake the way it happened, but when shit like that's going on and from what I read when everything happened, like Triple H was blindsided by like some of these other like people that got let go. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the countdown to fuck town recap. Yeah. So favorite empty arena moments that's or favorite moments of the empty arena uh, era thus far. I want to shout out as an honorable mention just two AW Action Advance Pro Wrestling, which was birthed out of the former Kyantai Dojo. Um, once. Uh, once Taka Michinoku got sort of exposed for having an affair, K-Dojo splintered off into two promotions, Michinoku's Just Tap Out promotion, as well as the Action Advance Pro Wrestling to AW, which was the majority of the veterans of K-Dojo. And recently, during the Empty Arena era, they had Yuji Okabayashi as sort of a Monster of the Week champion, as well as uh, Kaji Tomato and chongo and they're just really fun and i never watched this promotion before quarantine and i actually wound up watching about all 10 of their events during quarantine i thought that they had the best atmosphere the best presentation and it was just honestly a joy to spend time with a new promotion like that so that was my honorable mention yeah um yeah yeah i guess i'll start with number five now and then we can just go back and forth um Number five for me was the Hiromu Takahashi defeating Toriyano in the New Japan Cup. I thought this was so much fun. Um, just because I try to think of moments that 
could only happen during this empty arena mm-hmm. uh, era. So, did you see this match? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, so for those of you who haven't, it ends with Hiromu tying up Toru with the ring tape, and then he puts him in the Kurakin Hall elevator and sends him down to the first floor. Yeah, I, Yano matches sometimes like are good and sometimes they get hit. This was fun. Um, I can understand why people don't like Yano matches. Yeah. I can see both ways. Um, and I don't even think that it was even the match so much. I, I just really thought the ending was hilarious. Yeah, definitely. It is a, mm-hmm. It's fucking wacky. What about you? What's your number five? Number five. Um, mine are probably going to be a little out of order just because like, I'm doing mine on the fly. But it's, <laughs> um, it's really been uh, MVP and Lashley. MVP specifically. Oh. Like, him, just um, his character and the way that now Lashley uh, has this confidence that you haven't seen since he re-signed. Um, MVP is like just so good on the fucking mic. And just him being out there and getting the spot where he deserves and can use his talents and help elevate um, other individuals and like everything like right now, especially with him, is trying to elevate these people who've not been used well, like Apollo Crews. You got Lashley, um, Cedric Alexander and Ricochet are now involved in this. And it's just really cool seeing it. So yeah. for me, that's just been like a super big highlight is MVP. Sweet. Um, number four, Cinematches, Stadium Stampede, Boneyard, um, Firefly Funhouse. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of really bad Viking Profits. Um, but I think overall, this has been a fun addition to the wrestling world. Um, I hope that they are they are kept around after the pandemic era is over, but more used more sparingly. So, yeah, and like what they need to do is they do a, like you have the cinematic matches on that, right? Because then at least like if the crowd wants to leave, they can fucking leave. They get all the exactly. wrestling. Exactly. And it's because you can kill a crowd if you have them sit through thirty minutes of shit while they're there. But it has been a nice way to break it up because we are in this fucking pandemic and we're reminded of it fucking daily when Burger King has commercials like, we know you're not thinking about us. We're thinking about you here at Burger King. Oh, God damn it. I hate those fucking commercials. Like every fucking like business. It's like, we're here for you in this tough time. Taco time. (laughs) We'll be back. Denny's. I saw an Applebee's commercial and I thought that the Applebee's commercial on the Extreme Rules pay-per-view I thought that was the fucking Jeff Hardy bar fight. <laughs> it's so good. I was like, damn, this is a hell of a crossover. It's Shit. Like, honestly, that's a smart idea. But yeah. no, it's like, I don't need to know that, like, as a company, you're here for me. It's like, I get it. Like, we're all going through this. And, like, when, like I would rather see, like, commercials of them, like, talking about, like, what they're doing for their fucking employees and, like, putting that out there saying, hey, like, we know our employees are in harm's way. And so... This is what we're doing to protect them because they're still open because you assholes still need a fucking whopper. I hate everything. Just that shit annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. So, but back to the original topic at hand. It just Yeah, what's your number four? Uh, my number four would be <laughs> um, the WrestleMania match between uh, Seth and Kevin. I really liked it. That's like the one yeah. wrestling match that felt like a mania match on that card. I agree. That and that and Rhea and Charlotte. So, 
was that bad too. Leanne Trotter was really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Seth and Kevin know how to work in front of those people. They know how to make things work. They're going to do very good, and that felt like a big yeah i agree and we had that wrestlemania moment so hopefully they actually show that the jump from the pirate ship yeah. that was cool um my number three shout out to the beginning of the very very beginning of the empty arena era the stone cold steve austin and byron saxton segment hell yeah yeah dude that was the funniest fucking thing still like I was like, this is what wrestling's gonna be like. And it felt like this bizarre world Tim and Eric skit almost. Um so strange. This is when WWE still had the there was the first show, so the camera wasn't in front of the ring, it was to the right of it, so you would see all the empty seats behind it. And they had seats still. Yeah, they had seats, and then even when Stone Cold said, Give me a hell yeah, at first it cut to the empty seats, like as a gag. It was so weird. Yeah, they just tried to make the most of it, and I feel like they completely abandoned that sense of humor immediately after because it was self-aware, and then they were just like, fuck this, and then they just never looked back. I, so. I, I liked them being a little self-aware. Same, because it's like, thanks. Yeah, it's shitty, but let's forget for a bit. We, Not like just we, let's forget. It's like we know this is weird. Oh, let's just fucking have fun. Yeah. What about you? What's your number three? Uh, my number three would be that eight man tag from uh, fucking uh, Fighter Fest. Yeah, Gosh, the Canadian really Destroyer. Holy shit! Yeah, that, that, it was just like it was really fun having Phoenix and Kevin do that. I yep, really enjoyed it was, that. The Destroyer was something I've never seen before. Yeah, it was so good. That's always exciting. Um, fantastic match. Butcher and Blade have really come to their own. I'm excited for them. And I like I thought, it because they're not like the like this weird people anymore. Like they're still really weird, but like they seem like actual people. Yeah, I love it. I'm happy for them. Um, number they're also two, a lot better too. Yeah, no, they totally are. I'm very excited for their upcoming match against the Young Bucks this uh this week. Um, the Go Shiozaki Fujita 30 minute stare down. I love this, and you can <laughs> never do it with fans so i thought this match was the best empty arena match because it just really went the full fucking mile yeah what about you what's your number two the debut of carrying cross oh like his first entrance his first entrance in that match with leon ruff it was oh my god the saito suplexes he went in there killed this guy such an entrance it was the first time in everything that's been going on this uh pandemic era these closed tapings that something felt good and that like yes like when he came out they're like oh okay it felt like a mania entrance yeah and like it still feels big when he's in there and so the reason i think why he works so well is because hunter's like what would i do for me and then he just gives it to him Honestly, yeah, he's like he's got the chick. He's big. He's jacked. He's bald like me. Yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. And he's been booked perfect. Yeah. All his promos, you could tell like he's gone on AB saying he does all his creative. Like it's this is all him, and you can tell because it just feels different. It feels big. It feels important. And he went in there and then 
fucking squashed Tommaso. And so just the debut of him, like, really, like, made me look and have kept my attention the whole time. Yeah, I agree. Um, number one for me was GCW's two-night event, the Acid Cup. Did you watch this? I did not. So just a rundown of themes. It's Joey Janela drunk as shit, stoned on commentary both nights. Halfway through night one, he's like, can someone give me a cigarette? Can we fucking smoke in here? Because they're doing the show, wrestlers only, no fans, from a closed bar in Philadelphia. And there's like a kid there, and Joey's like the second night, he's like, yeah, so everyone could probably see that fucking kid back there. I didn't want to bring it up night one because like, how is a kid legally allowed to be here? That's not good. He's just like, there was a pit bull standee, like a cardboard cutout of pit bull that did a three to five minute performance where they just played Pitbull's music and they just put him in the middle of the ring. Um, the wrestling itself was phenomenal. I thought the final between Blake Christian and Chris Dickinson was one of the year's best independent matches. It was just so much fun and it was really the best event, I think, of the pandemic era because it was the best at making you forget. Yeah. So for me, that was my favorite so far. That was number I think one. It's one for of the you. few. I think it's one of the very because I I will probably never go back and watch these WrestleManias. There's no shows that I have any desire to go back and watch. The Acid Cup is a show I'd happily watch again. Yeah. So what about you? What's your number one? Who? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my honorable mentions out right now. You did yours at the beginning. Oh. I'll do mine right here, like I'm a fucking countdown video on YouTube. <laughs> I always gotta do it before number one, brother. And in the suggested video sections, there's uh, Simon Gotch shoots on Enzo Amore. Fucking right. Uh, my honorable <laughs> mentions are Shingo versus Show. That match is just really fucking good. And there's people there. And yeah, I I just really like that match. Like I just why well, it wasn't even meaning to stay up. I just I haven't been able to sleep. I was up. I'm like, oh yeah, New Japan's back. Let's watch that. And it was just fucking good. It was like the, it made me fucking feel like I was just watching a regular ass New Japan show. And it was awesome. Shingo is so good. Um show is so good. And it just I was able to sit back and enjoy a wrestling match that didn't feel like a wrestling match in the pandemic era. So that's an honorable mention. Um other honorable mentions are um Yoshirai winning the title is just really cool. Um all the skits with uh Fucking Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era, just in general, they're just super entertaining. You like when even when they did like the Zoom promo and shit, I just love them as a group because they're just fucking all assholes and I love it. Um, and then also my last honorable mention is it's kind of Britt Baker coming into her own, especially now like with the fucking ah. Rolls Royce and stuff. It's just really fun, and it's now getting like big swole over. Because she's in this whole thing with her um, rebels, just fucking there for whatever reason. It's just been <laughs> really fun. And then my number one is Stadium Stampede match. That was a fucking. Oh. It was a great way to do the cinematic stuff, but have it also be a wrestling match. Like they went into the ring, they did fucking wrestling moves, and then it broke down into this fucking wild ass thing. But it was still just so fun. Like, we would never have this shit before. And so, like, it caused them to be so creative. And they could, they all sold out and did such a good job. I mean, 
fucking um, you know proud and powerful like one of them be like I can't swim and they're going into a fucking pool that goes in shit you know like them like <laughs> saying that they're gonna legit drown Matt Hardy was just hilarious. Oh my god, when Matt Hardy's underneath the fucking water just throwing up the V1 fucking hand signals, that was one of the funniest things I've seen in a match. Oh, it was so good, and then like fucking Adam Page showing up and chasing down Sammy, like, just that was great, but then of course he stops at the bar and him and Jake Hager have like that shot together. It was great because for his, his farcical and out there as it was, everything made sense still. Yes. And I think that is maybe wrestling at its best is when it's able to make these giant, wild, crazy leaps, but keeping you within the realm of reality for this world. Yeah, but it's just like if you're going to do something wacky and you still want it to make sense within wrestling, like fucking go for it. Have fun. Like it doesn't need to be this like weird shit, you know? do some like do something fun like do something that you would enjoy seeing and they went and they did that and it delivered it was great yeah all right anything else uh no not for me well then it's great to be back it was great to chat with you yeah it's been it's been fun i'm glad we got to break down some shit um, exactly get back then to our regularly scheduled program and watch some yeah, what do you star wanna, matches. Probably uh, jump back into it. Maybe not this Wednesday because we got this episode this week, but maybe next. Yeah, we'll figure it I'm out. I'm going to be honest. I love talking about modern wrestling so much more than talking about these fucking five-star matches. I mean, I know we're a good match show, but you know. Hey, we, can break down our, we can break down our episodes however we want. Yeah, it's true. It's our, it's our podcast. We can talk about these five-star matches but we don't have to break them down move by move we can just talk about oh my god it's sometimes it's just so much i know especially when we're gonna get into some of these later ones that go for a real long time 72 minutes like fuck it's gonna take me 40 minutes just to recount it that's not fun we'll talk about it anyway thank you so much make sure to unzip your pants and suck your own yeah anything else from you isai like share and subscribe give us a five-star fucking rating because then we can just like the matches we can review our own show on this show. How fucking meta is that going to be? Exactly. So, uh, yeah. thanks for listening. We're happy to be back. Suck and now own. we are too. signing off. Good night. Wait.